Good morning again, everybody. We're so honored that you're with us. We do want to say hello to those that are joining us from one of our campuses, maybe from one of the 13 correctional facility campuses that we have here in Austin, Italy. Mozambique is watching. Come on, let's just say hello to everybody. Come on. Good to see you guys. Thank you all. And uh, you saw this morning we had uh, those 13 being water baptized and those that were being baptized by Avery. And uh, Avery and Zion, who are on our team, of course, Zion oversees pastoral care. Avery, our youth pastor, he and his wife gave birth to a brand new baby at exit 252 in the car. In the car, she gave birth. And uh, he is literally there on the side of the road, and um, she's got the baby in her hands, and uh, they asked, do you want us to send an ambulance? I was like, no, we got this, and so <laughs> meet us at the house. But he went and made his way to North Austin there, and uh, to God be the glory. So we're going to find a plaque. We need to put a plaque at exit 252, um, and uh, beautiful baby. So, you know, who needs doctors? God bless, God bless, not Avery, God bless Z. Come on, she is awesome. And a good word is that when your water breaks, make it to the hospital. That's a good sign. Well, we are, of course, excited about a lot of things here at Celebration Church. I'm excited about the message that I'm about to speak to you. But tonight, guys, tonight, we do this so you won't forget. You cannot, there's nothing on TV tonight, maybe American Idol, but you'll be back home to watch the second half of it, you can Devo it. But at 4.30, we're gonna have food trucks available, so if you come hungry, you can purchase some food. But at six o'clock, the doors will open, and I'm going to be having a very good friend of mine who many of you probably, if you have friends in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, there's a great church called Milestone Church, founded by Jeff Little. Jeff's written a book on discipleship in men, and Jeff is gonna be with us tonight speaking, and then he and I are gonna do some Q&A this is a great time for you to bring a friend or someone that you know in the neighborhood. It will be, I believe, a really strategic night for all of us. And uh, this is your time. you got literally nothing going on tonight. You can't do anything but be at this meeting. And I believe that God is going to meet you. And I know that you will love hearing from Jeff Little. And it's going to be an amazing night. Where are my guys at? If you're a man, raise your hand. Let me see. No confusion here. Amen. God bless you. <laughs> Find a friend, find an enemy, and I look forward to seeing you here tonight again. 4.30, the food trucks will be available, but uh, the service will start at 6 o'clock. We'll have you home about 7.30 or so, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys tonight. We are in a message series that we're calling One Another. Of course, we started it around the February month of relationships and all things relationships, and we've talked about marriage but today, I want to talk to you about singleness. If you're single or single again, let me, how many are single? Let me see your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on, give it up for all of these that are single right here. Here we go. If you want to leave, if you want to leave with somebody, why don't you stand up? If you're single, just, I'm trying to hook a sister or a brother up. We had in the first service a young, young lady probably on row three. Her name was Mar Sadies, and she gave us, I mean, she just went for it. She was selling her, 
her life and, and, and wanting a husband. And uh, I said, maybe you came here in a Pinto, but you can leave in a Mercedes. And so uh, she found somebody. They're going to get married next week. We're looking forward to what God's going to do. But I want to talk to you about singleness because the Bible talks about singleness. And we know that we live in a world that has various opinions on, on singleness. And, and depending on your world or who you were raised around, of course, We've got two worlds. You've got the Western world that says, in today's culture, don't worry about marriage. You get your career. You get your house. You get your money. You get your life. You don't need a man. You don't need a woman. And there is that right now, that predominant thought, which says, put that off, and, and you just go for your career. And then you can, if you like a guy, you can test drive or test drive her or him and just see how it all works. And and then you've got the other side of, of society that has a more Eastern influence, and that is that if you don't have a family by now, if you don't have a family, if you don't have kids, in other words, family is identity or being married is an identity. And to have in some cultures a single life is not looked upon with favor, if you will. It's something wrong with you. And so I think that we definitely have two opinions going on. We've got two kinds of thoughts. And then you've got your own family. You've got your own views because of your mom or because of your dad or because of your experiences. What is true for all of us here today is that we're all aware that we had a, a life, we had a, a plan. And especially for those that are single, you would have thought maybe by now you'd been married. You would have thought by now you would have had that family. You would have had those children. You would have had this or you would have had that. And then there are those that are married that wish they didn't have that or this. They wish like, ah, stay single, girl. And uh, if that's you, would you just lift? No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, there's a clap going on in the back. My dad's favorite song was, please release me. Let me go for I don't what? Love you. We're my Sun City people. I don't love you anymore. He would sing that song to my mom every day. I was almost 26 when I got married, seven days away from turning 26. So I've got, you know, a little singleness in my life. And, and, and I'm going to talk about some, I think, some practical applications. But our series, we're calling it One Another. And I want you to see this because it's important for us as a church to love one another whether you're married or whether you're single, we are to be together. I do not want a church, and we are a multi-generational church, and we are a church that heavily reaches, if you will, or has a strong reach to young families with children. The Liberty Hill Leander campus, nearly a thousand people that would call that campus their home now, 20 minutes down 29. There's, I think, some 200 or so, 30% of that campus is children. And it's just, that's, that's, that's what's out here. We are in a very similar place when it comes to the size of our, of our kids' programs and our kids' ministry, which says we are strong in marriage, we're strong in families, and we're a multi-generational church. I want that, and I think that is wonderful. But I also want us to realize that God is sending us people that are single. And that there are many single among us. And what can happen is, if we're not careful, 
we can, if we're not careful, we, we can slight towards people who are married, and then the singles are like, hey, hello, hello, hello. Don't forget about us. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another, even as I have loved you, and that you also love. It's interesting. Here's what I'm telling you. Love one another as I have loved you, because I know you just forgot what I said. Love one another. He says it over and over. And just as I loved you, I want you to love one another. Not those that look like you or those that are in the same season as you, but to love all people. And then he goes on, and I think later on, Paul picks up on the same concept. Therefore, accept one another as Christ has accepted us to the glory of God. As Christ, How many are thankful that Christ accepts us just as we are? He doesn't say, you got to get this right, you got to clean up your life, and then you can come to me. No, just as you, whosoever will, let him come. Just come. Just walk with him. Just start walking with him. And as he accepted us in our state, in our sin, in our rebelliousness, in our misunderstanding, and our lack of understanding, in all of our situations, in our past and present lives, he accepts us just as we are. And he goes, now I want you to have that same, that same love. Accept people. You can't get close to people if you don't accept people as they are. You cannot draw close in relationship to anyone unless there's a wall that has been brought down by saying, I'm okay being with you. So I want to talk about this because what we have to understand is that we are to accept one another, and in particular today, I want to talk about accepting what is a very large and becoming a larger, larger part of society, and that is those who are single. There are numbers that are now bringing marriage back after the pandemic. Marriage had dropped to an all-time low in the world because of the pandemic. Now it's starting to come back. But the Bible does tell us that even in the last days, there's going to be a refusing or a, a rebuttal to marriage, that people are going to refuse to marry. Or not wanting to be married. And I think part of that is having to do with maybe what you saw in marriage. Or what you saw in your own personal life. Today though, I want to talk because I think that it can happen to those that are single. And that's not necessarily the fault. It's not something that is done on purpose. But, but they can, single people, those that are single, those that don't have a family, an immediate family, can feel less than, they can feel alone, they can feel separate. And it could be thought that they are second class. Oh, and that begins to get into their own emotions. And that gets into their own belief pattern. And they begin to think, well, this is not the church for me. I don't want to be that church that does not provide for all people an opportunity for them to connect and make this church their home. I want us as married people to be aware that there are people here that come by themselves and they leave by themselves, and we need to make sure that we're providing a table. We're providing a chair for them at our table. Can I hear an amen? That, that, we're, that we're looking for people. And there are people that are walking into this, into this church. They're here now. There are those that are watching online before they'll even visit to say, will I meet anybody that even would want to know my name? And we believe that the body of Christ should be the best on the planet at doing that. This is the whole kingdom. The whole kingdom is how Jesus demonstrated coming to a world that, frankly, when you see the religious world that Jesus entered into, they couldn't understand why Jesus was with the people, hanging with the people, eating with the people, drinking with the people that they were considered dirty or people that were not important. 
And Jesus said, these are, the, these are the people I've come for. In other words, I've come to make a room, come to make a table for all people. And so when it comes to single, I've already said it, the Western culture is why marry? And then the Eastern culture mindset is why haven't you married? What is wrong with you? And depending on our background, our personality, there is a wide spectrum of how you view, in particular, singleness. There are some singles here today that you view singleness as is a sad season. It's sad. There are some that are suffering through, through this season. And then there are others that are saying, I am free. There is nothing sad nor suffering about my condition. A guy in the first service who was married stood up and said, freedom, I wish I had freedom. No, he didn't. But some people view singleness as a sports car. In other words, I can get in my car, I can go where I want to go and do what I want to do. If I want to go and take a nap, I can take a nap. If I want to get a plane, I can get on a plane. And I'm not trying to talk some of you to divorce. I'm just telling you, there is something freeing about that. Whereas marriage can be viewed as a bus. (laughs) And it's slow and it's filled with all sorts of things. But what's ultimate, and this is where we're going to go today, whether you're married or single, our source of fulfillment is never found in a person. It's never found in another human being. Because there are people who are married who are alone, who thought that the marriage was going to end their loneliness. And I believe that you can be more lonely in a marriage because of expectation, just because of what you thought that marriage was going to do. And ultimately, we know that a man or a woman in the natural cannot bring any kind of ultimate fulfillment. We all know that there is a body clock. We all do know that maybe there was a dream that we all had to be married by a certain time, to have a career by a certain time, to have a house by a certain time, to have children by a certain time. The body clock is moving and we're running out of time and we're, we're supposed to have our dreams by now, our expectations, and now we're getting close to, to these timelines and And what can begin to happen, of course, is that we have this pressure as a single upon us that says, oh, when is this going to happen? And I want to address some of that. And I want to also help all of us, just even because I think that there is a cross, there is a cross message for all of us. That ultimately, guys, the ultimate marriage is the marriage supper of the Lamb with Jesus. Ultimately. In fact, the Bible says you're not given in marriage in heaven. You and I are not going to heaven and live with our wives as we are living with them now. You're not going to be married to your husband in heaven. You don't just move your house from here to heaven. That's what the Mormons teach, that there will be marriages in heaven. That's their doctrine. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Scriptures. We are not given to marriage. Some of you are like, thank you, God. I could do anything for a short amount of time. And let me tell you something. Yes, you can. Because the ultimate marriage, the ultimate reality of our spouse is Christ. And that's what I want to show you today because we have to get this biblical perspective, all of us, whether you're married or whether you're single. In the book of Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is in prison. Now, Jesus had just finished speaking to his disciples And he departs from that location to go and preach in other cities. And John, he's close. In fact, he hears that Jesus is just outside of the gates of the prison. 
And interestingly, Jesus doesn't go to see John. John is in prison. Jesus is out there teaching his disciples about how to do ministry and all the great things that God is going to do in their lives. So when John, being in prison, or being, watch this, on an island, isolated and all alone, living this single life, he hears while in prison, while lonely, nothing's happening for him, He's hearing about all these things that are happening for other people. Hearing the works of Christ, he asks and he sends word by his disciples, are you the expected one or shall, shall I move on to somebody else that can get me out of here? Now, John the Baptist, we know, was the cousin of Jesus. He was the forerunner of Jesus. He, from birth, the Bible says, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary, when she entered in, Elizabeth, John's mom, when they had that first relationship or that first conversation, the Bible says that John leapt in the womb of his mother with the Holy Spirit, with joy. So this guy's been serving God his whole life. This guy came out of the womb knowing what he was on the planet to do, giving God what God wanted from his life, and now here he is going, now what about me? I'm making reality happen for other people. I'm making life happen for other people. What about my life? What about my freedom? What about my pleasure? What about me experiencing some of this good stuff that I hear about? And maybe, Jesus, maybe I should move on because I need, I need somebody that would notice my situation. And this can happen to all of us, especially when we're in that place. And I can tell you, I remember being there where I was wondering, how am I going to meet the girl of my dream? How am I going to find that partner, that life partner? My story, Lori and I, we were sharing with our young adults at Central Austin this past Thursday night. And I went to church, and my story is, after giving my life fully to Christ and being serious about God, I'm looking for somebody that's going to be serious with God and about God with me. And I walked into church, and I, on that Sunday morning, sitting by myself, church of about a thousand people, and I, and I saw, in fact, well, I heard this song, glory, glory, remember that song, glory to the Lamb, but I thought they were singing, glory, glory, and I saw Lori in the glory. I literally saw her in the choir, and I said, that would be a good one. I like that girl, and I couldn't get her out of her mind. I could not, I could not cause that thought. Uh, it was a pure thought. It was a holy thought. Uh, but I said, oh, I hope I get to meet her. And it wouldn't just, in fact, it would be the next week we'd meet. We'd meet in the house of God. And all that to say is how we can see ourselves sometimes going, but the clock is running. Time is running out. It's the fourth quarter. What is going to happen, God? Let's go. And this is John. John is saying, you know what? I'm going to have to start taking matters into my own hands. I'm going to have to have a God that I don't just trust in, but I'm going to have to have a God that I can help out. And that can happen. That's not just in relationship to finding a spouse or to finding a husband or a wife. That goes for every area of our lives. That we can feel like John, I'm wondering, does God see me anymore? Does God care about me anymore? Does God notice me? Is God even capable of doing something in my life? And as John is sitting there and beginning to question even about his own faith in Jesus, he sends the word to his, through his disciples. 
verse 4, Jesus comes back with an answer and he says, you go and you tell John, oh, it's amazing. Tell John what he's hearing is true. The blind are receiving the sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf are hearing, and the dead are raised up. Isn't this awesome? Tell John that what he did for me is making all of this happen. And the poor are having the gospel preached to them also. And as they're probably wondering, how are we going to tell John that everybody around him except him is getting their dreams and getting their answers to their prayers manifested? Now we're going to have to go back and tell him, but I don't know, John. He goes, oh, one more thing. Tell John, blessed is he who does not take offense at me. What is he saying? Tell John very clearly. Doesn't, doesn't say, you tell John to just quit his complaining. You, you just tell John that he is just all about himself. You just tell John to get out of his bad mentality and he's just all feeling sorry for himself. No, the, the, in fact, the Bible never says that we won't face trials and temptation. The Bible says we're going to have our tests. We're going to have our trials. We're going to have our plenty of opportunities to wonder, where are you, God? Where did you go? Why aren't you making some things happen for me? He doesn't rebuke John. But what he does say, John, tell John, don't, literally that word there is, don't stumble. Don't crash. Don't, don't stumble, don't crash. Don't, don't fall to pieces, John. When you feel like I'm not aware or I'm not noticing, John, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But I want you to know something, John. I'm, I've got a blessing for you. Blessed are those. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Or while being a follower of me, being in relationship to me, that along the way you don't get what you think you should get. And that can cause you to crash. Or that word there means to stumble, to tr be tripped up. And what all of us can have happen to us is we can come to a place like John, where we're wondering why, as it relates to me, am I not seeing what other people are seeing? That's great that the deaf are hearing, but why am I not hearing? That's great that the lame are leaping. Why am I not leaping? What about me getting healed? What about me getting delivered? What about me seeing God do some amazing things? But watch this. But the blessing, John, the blessing is not in getting the answer to your request. The blessing, John, is really about what am I going to say about you when you and I see each other? And Matthew 11 and 11, now John is sitting in prison waiting for his disciples to come back with what Jesus had to say. Jesus turns to those around him. The disciples of John are gone. And then he goes, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Here's what I see. You have to live ultimately with this one view. What is God going to say about my life when I come in contact with him? Ultimately. How many want to hear the Lord say, well done? Good and what? Well done, faithful. Faithful. 
You didn't stop. You didn't quit. You didn't get mad. You didn't get upset. You didn't get offended. You didn't get bitter. You kept your devotion to Christ. This is a type and a picture of someone I really do believe who came out of the womb wanting to please God, who came out of the womb wanting to serve God, who had a dream, who had a desire, who wanted to see some great things happen in their life according to what we often dream about. And now it's not coming. And what is he saying? Tell John to keep his devotion to me. Tell John to live with ultimately what is all the ultimate. And that is, what is God going to say about you, whether you're married or whether you're single? Because I really think that we have to make sure that I live and we live for those words. God, I want to be, in your eyes, a faithful man, a faithful woman. I want to be ultimately, God, responsible to bringing you pleasure, whether I see it or not. Whether I have a dream or not come to pass. Whether I get that company or get that business or get that job or get that house. God, I don't live for the words of this world. I live from the words of your lips. Well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, but I want to be married. I want a kid. That's easy for you to be up there and to say with your glory, your glory. Your three children. You've got now three daughter-in-laws that are awesome. You've got a grandbaby, May Claire. I want a May Claire. I want a daughter-in-law. I want a son. I, I want a family. And I think that we have to accept people being in that state at that moment, going, yeah, I get it. I get it. But you also have to stop for a moment like like Jesus stopped John and said, John, what are you going to live for? Who is bringing the definition of what success looks like? Who, who is driving you to that dream? What is it that's making you do what you do? And what Jesus said, blessed is John, or John, you're going to be blessed in your ability to not become upset and mad at me while it's going well for others. It's not going well for you. You're maintaining this greatness, which is, I think, when Jesus is saying this about John the Baptist, without John even hearing it. John is, frankly, unshakable. And interestingly, John never gets out of prison. And John dies. John is beheaded. But when John gets to heaven, what does he hear? Well done. How many know all of a sudden the time frame and the things of this world grow strangely dim? Because John remained unshakable. He remained unwavering. He remained unbreakable. And when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I want you to see Paul is now writing to a church that is frankly in a state of confusion Corinthians, of course, this church that Paul is helping lead is a very charismatic church. It's a very much a, a church that is hungry for the gifts and for the power of God. And they're believing God for miracles and signs and wonders. The problem is they are they're like a bowl of cereal. They're nuts and they're flakes. They've got they're, they're just very unstable. They're very unstable. And they're given to feelings and they're given to emotions. And now they're talking to John or to Paul about marriage and they're talking to him about can they marry and should they get 
into a relationship with a spouse and all kinds of things that are going on. And so as it relates to marriage, Paul is trying to bring some substance to this very charismatic church. And he goes, guys, I want to talk to you about marriage. And he talks about it in this way. I think then that this is a good view in the present distress. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 26, addressing everything that's going on. But they're also surrounded by a lot of worldly things that are going on that is much like our world today. It's a lot of distress. How many believe there's a lot of distress in our world today? He goes, in view of the present distress. Okay, In view of the present pressures. The present pressures. That it is good for a man to remain as he is. Now he's talking to those that are married. He goes, do not seek to be free. In fact, he goes on. Look at verse 27. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek or sing the song. Please release me. Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you're not in sin. And if a virgin marries, or that which has never been married, a young lady who has never been married, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life. Wah, wah. Paul the Apostle is having a bad day. And I am trying to spare you. <laughs> in other words, I'm trying to just bring the reality to you. That if you think you're going to be married and you're going to have an easy life, it doesn't work that way. How many know if you're married, you don't just go home and go to sleep? You've got kids. You've got a job. You've got things to do. And he says, yet such will have trouble in this life. And I'm trying to spare you, verse 29. And this I say, brethren, the time, in fact, the time is short. Now, notice the context of this chapter. Time is short. In other words, be aware that there is, for all of us, a, a very short time frame when it comes to this life. So that from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. In other words, Paul says, okay, let's just not just think about husbands and wives or married and single. Let's just realize, even if you're married, be careful that that marriage is not causing distraction. In other words, he's not saying you're free to walk out of this church today. If you came with your wife, you can leave without her. No, that's not what he is saying here. But he is saying, I want you to live your life in such a way that whether you're married or single, your view is not so natural that you're just not living for everything about today's world. He says if you are of and with a wife, you should live as though you didn't have one. Those who weep as though they did not weep. In other words, you're going through some troubles, you're going through some sadness, you're going through some problems. If you're weeping right now, I want you to live a life with your focus on God so that that weeping is not to say it's not real, it just means... That you're not becoming overcome by weeping. You're not overcome by sorrow. You're not overcome by sadness. That the suffering is not dictating to you your Savior. It's not defining life for you. It's not making life for you. Whether you're free of cancer or not free of cancer. Yes, I don't believe God gives us cancer, but if you have to, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do in that moment? And is your, only, is your only response going to be, well, if he doesn't get this off of me or get this out of me, I'm not going to serve him. Whether you're healed or not, whether you're delivered or not, you have to serve him. You've got to remain, if you will, unshakable in your faith. He goes on to say, so those that are weeping, as though they did not weep. And those who rejoice, as though they did not rejoice. Here's what he's saying. You might be in the greatest season 
of your life in success and all things are coming together, things are falling in place. He goes, be careful because you're rejoicing or if you're in a season of prosperity, in a season where all things are working out for you, don't, don't get your eyes fully on this world because how many know it can, this too can quickly what? It can pass. All of a sudden, that same life that you were living, that you didn't think there was any end to your money or any end to your power, it can disappear really fast. We can all of a sudden see a pandemic. You can all of a sudden see something that begins to shake, even this season of rejoicing. He's not trying to undermine your confidence. He's not trying to shake your life as far as it relates to things that are going good. What he's just saying is, just live with one foot in the grave. That all of a sudden, in one moment, you could have a change. He says, those who buy as though they did not possess. In other words, you have the power to buy, you have the power to get, but at the same time, don't, don't go to try to find pleasure in this world because those things, those things break. Those things don't last. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. Nothing wrong with having things, just as long as those things don't have you. There's nothing wrong with you enjoying success. In fact, I believe God gives us success. I believe that God gives us. He's a, he's a great God, and great things does He want to do in our lives. But at the same time, we are very much, as the Bible commands us, to have an anointed thumb. The Bible says the priests were anointed in their right ear, their right thumb, and their right big toe with blood and with oil. That thumb is the grip message. In other words, be careful how, whole, how hard and how tight you hold something. And then he goes on to say, watch this. He says, I want you to be free from concern. Verse 32. I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. The one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world. And of course, he's not undermining marriage. He has a whole chapter in chapter 5 about the power of marriage. He's not trying to discount marriage. He's just trying to say, guys, there's another world. And then this marriage, this woman has to not just be concerned about the things of the world, and of course that goes with all of a home and all of the house and all the kids, but how she also pleases her husband, like he's saying. And that's a whole other subject that it's hard to keep up with. Verse 35, this I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you. I'm not saying don't get married. I'm not trying to overreach. I'm not trying to put any legalism on you. I'm not religious. All I'm trying to do, notice these last words, guys. I'm just trying to promote what is appropriate and to secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord. How many know it is important for all of us to be undistracted in our devotion to Christ? Let me see your hand. I'm, I'm, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're married or single. I don't care if you're rich or poor. Don't let whatever season you're in become a distraction. You know, all your riches can be a distraction. You know what? So can your poverty. Your healing can be a distraction. You can become distracted by every single thing, as he was saying in this world. 
whether you're weeping or whether you're rejoicing, whether you're married or whether you're single, whether things are right now working out for you or things are not working out for you. See, let me ask you a question. Who is moving you? What is moving you? And what are you moving to? There were days when our church wasn't going anywhere because you wouldn't show up. I know you. I saw you. You pulled up and you left us. I saw you. When we were in the library, I know you just walked in and walked out. And I said, please come. And you went, no, no. This is stupid. And I, I saw you. That's okay. What I could not do is go back and speak to the people of those 20 people, those 30 people, those 40 people. For years, guys, as we were just trying to make it, I could not allow the lack of people to cause bad things to come out of my life. And I couldn't let, now watch this, we're thankful for the growth, but I can't let the amount of people cause bad things to come out of my mouth. We have to stay undistracted in our devotion to the Lord. I'm going to give you some practical things before we go. And this is in particular to those that are single that are even right now in this season. And these are things that I thought of when I was in this season of my life. Number one, in your singleness, don't waste time. It's a very clear point that Paul makes. If you're single, you've got more time. With what? With God. With God. When I was without Lori and without marriage and without family, I left LSU. I have had this radical conversion to Christ. I'm going to tell you what I did. I made the most of my time. I lived on my knees. I lived in the Word. I just said, God, you're the God who can turn this into either a two-week journey or a 40-year wilderness. But I'm not going to waste this time. And I took that time, and I will say, it wasn't perfect, but I will say, there was an intentionality in that single season of waiting on God. Because I could, if my mother wasn't yelling at me to do something downstairs. Don't waste the time. It's up to you. You know, Israel could have gone straight into the promised land. Do you know they had a 17-day journey? And they turned it into what? 40 years. They wasted time. Number two, in your singleness, don't be impatient. Don't be impatient. And that happens to all of us. In our singleness or even in our lack, when we're wanting God to do something, we become impatient. And Paul makes this little statement, do not pass judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes who will bring both light of the things and the things that are hidden in the darkness and will disclose. He will reveal. That little line is a little line that I try to live by. Judge nothing before the time. Wait for the Lord. How many know it's best to wait on the Lord? Those who wait on the Lord will be what? Renewed. When I find someone burning out, that is not God. God never leads you to burn out. Burnout comes as a result of not waiting on God. Because you're trying to figure it out. God says, oh, don't wait for me. Just wait. Just trust me. And the more that John is in that room and in that prison wanting to get out, the matter he's getting, and I'm just going to tell you something. You said, tell John, oh, don't, don't stumble now. Don't, don't. John, this is not where you want to crash. Because it may not happen the way you want it to happen. You, you may not get out of here. What are you going to say in your last breath? God, I'm still waiting on you. 
And how many want to arise? In fact, how many want to wake up when you wake up in heaven face to face with God? How many want to hear the Lord say, you didn't stumble. You didn't quit. You didn't give up. You didn't take matters into your own hands. In your singleness, don't be impatient. In your singleness, don't waste time. Here's number three. In your singleness, don't be a perfectionist. You might be single because you're waiting on the perfect man. You might be single because you're waiting on the perfect woman. If they have a tattoo, if they have this hair, if they have this look, if they have this bank account, if they have this car, if they have teeth. I don't know what your standard is. But I will be honest with you. You remember the story of Isaac and the situation with Rachel and Leah? Boy, he saw, he saw Rachel. She was fine as wine. And the Bible says he wanted her, and he thought he was marrying her, and of course went through the whole ceremony, but he had too much to drink, and he wakes up, and there's Leah. The Bible says she had a weak eye. And I have a weak eye, so I can, I can say this. Her eye was going this direction, and, and so it was kind of like... <laughs> and he wakes up, and there's... He didn't, he didn't do what he did for Rachel. He did what he did for Leah, but the dad snuck Leah in because she was the firstborn. And there she was like, hey. <laughs> Wild eye Leah. And he's like, okay. Okay. Praise God. What am I going to do now? Watch this. So he stays. And he gets Rachel. He comes to the end of his life. Who does he want to be buried with? Leah. He says, you know what? Her eyes might have not been perfect, but her heart was. She was beautiful. How many know the Bible says the most important quality we could have is the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit? How many want the spirit that is precious to God? See, that, guys, be careful. Be careful that you're looking for the outward. Be careful that your outward is more important than the inward. Number four, in your singleness, don't drop your eternal standards. What happens in our impatience and what happens in our waiting is I don't want to wait anymore and therefore I will go out with this guy, I will go out with this girl even though she doesn't believe in Christ, even though they don't like the church, even though they don't believe in the Bible, even though they don't want Jesus, even though they don't want to live holy, even though, even though he wants me to move in with him or she wants me to move in with her, I, I, I know God's a good God and uh, he's going to love me despite it all and I'm just going to move in with him or he's going to move in with me or we're just going to become... Uh, in some ways. We won't spend all night together, but he will get up at five before eight o'clock in the morning. That's really not spending the night together. And we slowly, next thing you know, we're unequally yoked. And we end up, the Bible talks about righteousness with lawlessness, light with darkness. And guys, it's not of God. Don't drop your standard. Yeah, but Pastor Joe, there's just nobody out there. Oh yeah. You might be right. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And you should get to a place where you go, I don't care. Not hard-hearted, not mean, not arrogant. And you're not saying, I'm better than everybody. You're just saying, but as for me, I'm going to serve God. 
and I'm not going to jeopardize my eternal life. And I'm not going to jeopardize the calling all my life. And then lastly, in your singleness, don't become insecure. And what happens to all of us, and what happens especially in this season when you're waiting or you're hoping to be married and, and things are just not, well, you just don't have a second date. Or there's just not a call back or whatever that looks like. Or they're ghosting you. Who does not know what ghosting is? Let me see. Let me see your hand. Okay, my son, City Crowd, we're all part of that. People just don't call you back. They just, you know, it was easy to ghost people when I was in school. We didn't have cell phones. Oh, I, didn't, I wasn't home. I wish it was that easy today. Your home is everywhere you go. You got a stupid phone in your hand. If I didn't go home, I could ghost people. I ghosted them all the time. I just didn't answer the phone. I wasn't home. And what happens in our singleness is we become insecure and we think it's me. It's my looks. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my life. There's something wrong with my personality. There's something wrong with my hair. And that can happen. And the Bible says, and I close with this, Hebrews 10.35, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. And guys, that's for the single people, but I'm also telling some of you are frankly struggling with your insecurity because you're not seeing what you thought you'd have been seeing by now, even in your own life. I don't care if you're male or female, and you're struggling with your confidence. And he says, don't throw away your confidence because in your confidence there is a reward. It's confidence not in yourself, but in the God who walks with yourself. The confidence that you have in knowing God. The confidence. Do you know what prayer does, guys? And I'm going to close with this. Do you know what prayer does more than anything else? It puts you in the presence of God that says, I've been with God. Now, how God answers, when God answers, that is not on my terms. But I know the God I've been with. And when you're not spending time with God, you're not going to have the confidence that God is going to show the way He wants to show us if you don't have a prayer life, but you're expecting a God life, if you don't have a word life, but you're expecting a God life, God says, no, 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 no. Don't, do not throw away what happens in your own prayer life and what happens in your own word life. Because this is what Paul brings it down to. He goes, I just pray that you do not become distracted in your pure devotion to Christ. Guys, we all are surrounded by distractions. We're all surrounded by all sorts of distractions. And I really do believe most people don't fulfill the call of God upon their life, not because they're evil, not because you're bad, because you're distracted. With every head bowed and every eye closed, how many would to be honest? And I only say uh, close your eyes and bow your head, not for any religious reason, but just to kind of stop some distractions. How many of you want to be Male, female, married, single. How many want to live a life, like Paul says, undistracted with pure devotion to Christ? Let me see your hand all over this place. Yeah, I think all of us do. And Lord, as I sit here today, I don't want to be the man who finds myself in a prison or in a place, God forbid, that might be as hard as Paul. But Lord, if I do, if I find myself in a prison, if I find myself in a hard place, a lonely place, an isolated place, a single place, a place of a hospital, a nursing home, 
I don't want to, I don't want to stumble. I don't want to fall. I don't want to quit. I want to walk with you. Because I believe that you're God who's faithful. If you're here today and you need to make a decision, some of you are stumbling. Some of you walked into this place, you literally stumbled into this room. You're stumbling right now onto line to watch online. And you don't want to live like this any longer. Would you just say, God, I hear you. Would you just acknowledge to the Lord you hear him today? Would you just slip up your hand right now all over this place? How many of you would say, Pastor Joe, I don't have a relationship to Christ. And today, would you help me? I want Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand right now all over this place? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. You don't have to have any religious experience. In fact, the least religious experience makes it for a better connection to Christ. And then how many are single? Let me see your hand. Where are my single people at? Yeah, yeah. God's got you. He's got you. And you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's say this together out loud. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love to me, your power to me, your mercy to me, your forgiveness to me. I can't save myself. I can't heal myself. I can't make myself better. I can't make myself saved. I believe in grace. The grace that you displayed on the cross when you died for my sins as the Lamb of God to cleanse me, to make me new. My life is yours. I give it all to you. And I trust you. Lord, I want the blessing of not being offended or being mad or irritable. I want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You are my God. And all that God's people said, come on, let's give the Lord a clap of praise. Can we stand to our feet? Come on.